Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. Hello, welcome to today's podcast. And today we're talking to Dave Hamilton about a subject that I've wanted to talk on the podcast for ages, and that is foraging. We're going to be talking about things like the laws around foraging, where you can do it, how you can do it, what sort of things you should be looking out for. Obviously things like mushrooms, of course, which ones are poisonous and deadly because everyone wants to know that about foraging. And we even get on the subject of how you can get high off mushrooms by drinking your wife's urine. It's a long story. You'll have to listen to get the context of that. As always, you can support the podcast by going on to buymeacoffee.com. There's a link in the description and you can donate three pounds, three shillings, not three shillings, that's not the same as a pound, is it? I don't know, it's before my time. But you can donate whatever you like anyway, and that just helps the podcast keep ticking over. And you can also leave a review, which helps the podcast out massively, whether you're on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening to this, chuck us a review, it's always much appreciated. And thanks for the messages. I've had a few messages after last week uh, when I was saying that I'm going to step down eventually from doing these podcasts, and I uh, got some very nice messages of people, which is lovely. Like I say, it's not forever. I'm not... I'm not quitting i'm just gonna have a break that's my fucking dog barking again that dog's been on more of these podcasts than um than i care to remember anyway here's the chat that me and dave had it's a great podcast and we talk all about foraging well welcome to the podcast dave hello how are you i'm not too bad thank you how about yourself yeah yeah i'm good i'm good Good. That's what I like to hear. So we're going to talk a little bit about foraging today, which is something I know worryingly little about. And I thought we should probably start with, well, where did you start with foraging? Presumably hunger is what made you started foraging. <laughs> it's, I, I was thinking about this because this is normally how any interview starts, is how did you get into it? Yeah. And I normally do quite a long-winded answer because it's it's not, you know, there, there are lots of in points. And, and I find when anyone's into a subject, they often try and feign that they've been into it since they were an embryo. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the truth is that there were sort of little dabblings when I was young, when I was uh, a child, so making nap soup, things like that. But I think the turning point was probably a trip to Wales in my early 20s and it hitched from the Glastonbury Festival. It was quite a sort of chance meeting, really. A friend had met someone in India as people do when they're traveling they gave them their address and said please turn up uh you know turn up whenever you like not expecting anyone to do that and so my friend and two others uh me and someone else turned up at their land uh they had an antiquated foraging book and i sort of became quite absorbed with it and the guy we were staying with took me on a bit of a walk and kind of got me started with that and i think from there it just got to be I mean you you're into a subject you know what it gets like you get nerdy about it don't you and then yeah oh definitely and then it builds and builds yeah and you start buying the books and you start uh it's a slippery TV slope program. yes yeah yeah <laughs> um so yeah I, I think it just it, it built and built to be honest so so from about sort of 21 onwards so I'm in my kind of late 40s now and it just conti- continues to grow I'm learning new things all the time so <laughs> That's great. How, how much are your? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing foraging really should be 
a supplement like people aren't making their entire diets out of foraging presumably are they it's like just a little a kind there's of, some people uh, that do actually but is I, there I really uh, yeah the wow. uh, monica is it monica wild i think i feel her surname's wild you know quite appropriate yeah um she's spending a year eating nothing but wild food she comes up on instagram quite quite a lot and shows the things she's she's making uh so you can it's a lot of work if you do yeah, um, yeah. i've got two kids i've got a mortgage to pay so <laughs> <laughs> yeah not quite uh, doable yeah i can't quite do it not not well not and keep my relationship i think you know it's, uh... <laughs> i mean it's it's that age-old question do i go foraging or do i have a stable marriage and you know we've all asked ourselves that <laughs> at some point haven't we <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well i mean there must be an equivalent with bird watching you know it's uh do, do i go twitching or do i you know go out for dinner with my wife or <laughs> yeah no exactly and and you know ah. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. So we've got to, you've got to think. Toss the, a coin, coin toss usually. Yeah, it, that's how it? I not, normally depends on the bird, doesn't it? If it's a sexy bird, then you've got to get out and get to go out and, <laughs> and twitch it. Um, people can get kind of worried about foraging, particularly with mushrooms. And I guess because you've done so many interviews, this must come up all the time. Um, yeah, but yeah, what yeah. what are the what are the do's and don'ts then of of foraging? I'm I'm sure. I mean, you've done you've literally done the book on it, so I'm sure there's a lot to to talk about it. But what yeah, are the kind of is... ba basic do's and don'ts? I, I think sort of learn your poisonous ones first is a good start. Um, yes. <laughs> learn what not to pick. Yeah. So um, the death cat, there's a aptly named destroying angel. And they're oh, part wow. of, yeah, uh, they're part of the Amanitor. I can never pronounce that. It sounds a bit like a man eater, a man eater family. And I think learn those, they're, they're sort of very distinctive. They come from a sort of egg form and grow up and they've always got a veil around them and a guild. So I think learn what, the, what the, the most poisonous ones look like first. And I think don't rely on an app. Tried these before uh, and scanned mushrooms and plants with them. Sometimes they're right, but sometimes they're worryingly wrong and can say the poisonous ones are edible and vice versa. So I think it's a case of cross-referencing as many different. So learn your poisonous ones, uh, narrow it down. This is for mushrooms. Well, it works for plants as well narrow it down and cross-reference with, say, an app or two, a couple of books, uh, including this one. <laughs> get, the plug plug in, where I can. get the plug get in the while plug you in. can, yeah. <laughs> including but, this one. So I've got uh, Latin names in this, and it's, it's good to Google those, and then you get Google images, and you see lots of versions of, of the different plants. Am I right in thinking that there's only a couple that would actually kill you? But there's a lot that would make you kind of poorly. Is that right? More or less, yeah. yeah. And you do have to know. I'm trying to think that uh, there's a few that will kill you. I mean, maybe. Oh, is there? Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe more than a couple, but they, they they can be quite rare. And I think it's knowing. So okay, take for example sort of the hedgehog fungus. It's got spines instead of gills. There's no poisonous lookalike for that. The cauliflower fungus looks like a big cauliflower or a brain. There's no poisonous lookalikes for that. Um, I think start with very simple ones, such yeah. as that, and then then build on those. So get to know the sort of main groups of poisonous ones, like the webcaps, like the um, amanitas, and then and then get to know your sort of more common ones, and get this sort of take baby steps in. Giant puffball is one of the first mushrooms I ate, um, okay. which is a uh, the only thing you can mistake that for is a football, really. 
you know it's um, <laughs> a big white mushroom so uh yeah i think start easy I, I, the temptation is to run to the woods I, and I, i'm guessing this is it works perfectly with bird watching as well if you go out and try and identify every single bird you see that day you're going to fall flat quite quickly yeah if you yeah. pick one or two out and then slowly build on that you're going to slowly build up a reptile and it's exactly the same with identifying plants and mushrooms and i guess it sounds very obvious but if you're not sure don't eat it yes I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely. probably shouldn't have to say that, but, you know, if someone's <laughs> like, well, maybe that's okay, om nom nom, and then off you go. So I think, yeah, if you're not sure, then just... That's a, that's the golden rule, really. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. And what, what? let's say that someone has gone down this this uh, route, they've eaten something and think, uh-oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. What What do you do? Is it, is it that's or, it, um... you're, you're fucked, or, or, or can you kind of, <laughs> or, 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 you know, is there a way out of it? Uh, I think ring ring 999 um, <laughs> and, a, and a priest yeah and a priest <laughs> you can make yourself sick you can eat charcoal or, or charcoal tablets having some milk thistle on hand but it's best to prevention's better than cure yeah oh no know. i'm not advocating people <laughs> deadly mushrooms and then try and get out of it i'm just thinking if someone did eat something and think hmm, what do i do now then uh, that's, oh, that's I think, uh, yeah i mean there's things like trooping funnels that can look a lot like uh sort of more more poisonous species yeah and so they can be a case of picking the wrong thing thinking 100 percent you've got the right thing and, and there's a brilliant story there's a guy called gordon hillman who used to do a program with ray mears he was this very academic guy and he ate a poisonous mushroom and realized his mistake when he started to feel faint that he's a he was a lecturer and he started to feel faint in the student union bar and quickly jotted down on a piece of paper the species of mushrooms that he had, he had eaten and then passed out wow <laughs> and, and if he hadn't have done that you know uh it, it wouldn't have been seen to quite as quickly and they wouldn't have known what was wrong with it because it could have been anything yeah of know? course uh, one too many sambucas or something you wouldn't know yeah would you? exactly wow exactly but it's like i've eaten blah 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 and then passed out so uh it's a presence of mind to, <laughs> to not only write down the mushroom but to write down the latin name of it yeah well. yeah yeah so Bloody it's hell. quite commendable definitely yeah, so. <laughs> is there uh is there a best time to forage i mean i guess a lot of us think autumn for mushrooms and and berries and whatnot and then maybe spring for for bulbs but presumably you can forage all year round but is there a best yeah, time there, yeah there are things all year the dead of winter tends to be a little bit more tricky um, spring and autumn are the main two seasons. Uh, so the wild garlic and spring leaves. So I, I, if I, I run courses, got some coming up at the weekend, actually. I tend to put them on in spring, sort of around uh, April, May, and then September, October as well. So they're my two main seasons. But that's not to say there's nothing in between, nothing each, each end. But that's the main, they're the main foraging seasons, really. Yeah, but, that makes uh that makes sense because yeah. i guess there's more around at that that time of year i suppose yeah but you would always find something chipweed is perennial nettles you find most times of the year uh and in fact sort of march time you can get your first new shoots of things and it's the best time to to forage certain things like um uh, goose grass sticky weed uh you can eat that before oh, okay. it gets all sort of straggly and long you can you can eat the uh, shoots of those Oh wow! I've not even heard of that. What, what do you eat that one with? 
Just like as a salad, uh, could, is it? Uh, it's better cooked, so you just pick up some pick some shoots up and uh, fry them up with a bit of butter and onion with uh, nettle shoots as well. Ah, so just yeah. I think I think we're sort of um, in in kind of modern food. We tend to isolate food. So uh, if you buy an aubergine or if you buy a pumpkin, you'll look for recipes for those. When Really, people used to just mix everything together. So you'd have uh, something called buttered warts, W-O-R-T-E-S, which was a medieval dish. And they have the equivalent in Greece, uh, it's uh, Horta Verde. I, I, I'm not very good at other languages. Um, but there's equivalents in Greece and France and uh, um, Iberian Peninsula, so Portugal and Spain. And it's just basically cooked greens. So instead of picking one plant, you'll mix lots together. Uh, and warts used to be with buttered leeks and then nettles, nettles and mallow and wild garlic. And so, yeah, the springtime can be a great time to just sort of mix all those together. I guess the key as well is that there's a difference between edible and tasty, because I know there's a lot of plants that are edible, but they're not necessarily that tasty. No, and that's when uh, flavourings come in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very handy. So uh, you're not encouraging yeah. people to go out and literally graze, <laughs> start mun- <laughs> munching out there. You need, a lot of these things need need a little little jus, a little something to them. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of the books will use sugar, but you can mix sweeter berries with sour, more sour ones. So um, sloes mixed with blackberries are quite nice, and you can. You can just about tackle them raw. Um, something I found the other day, and I, I, I've only done it once, and so I'd like to be interested to see if it works again. So I rubbed on a slow until the seed popped out and, and then ate it, and a lot of the astringency had gone. So I don't, I don't know if you know, if you eat a slow, tenderly, most of the moisture disappears from yeah, your Yeah, no, I've, try, I've tried eating the, yeah, what didn't have much joy. So, what, so you eat the yeah. seed or you eat the mushy bit? You eat the mushy bit, so mushy you, bit. Okay. you push it until the seed pops out, okay. uh, and and that's taken off the sort of, uh, you know, the the sort of whitish hue that's on the outside of the slow, um, and got rid of the seed and sort of, you know, got some of the sugars going in the uh, berry as well, and that seems to sweeten it up. But I, I've, as I say, I've tried that once. I'd be interested to try it again next time I go out because it was only a couple of days ago that I tried that. So um, is that similar? Because I know with slow gin, you wait for the first fry. I guess that's more fermentation. I guess that wouldn't make any difference mm. re- eating them raw, would it? Um, you wait for the first uh, frost because it's... Um, but you can you can simulate that by putting them in the freezer. Oh, okay. So, okay. You can put them in the freezer a couple of times. Um, yeah. yeah I'm gonna have, the ta- we have gone off on a berry tangent, haven't we? But I, I am going to yeah. have a go at slow. I'm not a big gin drinker, but I am going to have a go at slow gin this year. Try and make my own. I am very, uh, very keen but to try that. You don't have to stop at gin and slow. So any berry and any spirit you can mix together. So okay, um, uh, cherry brandy is a great one. Um, uh, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, mulberries in grappa. That's quite nice. That uh, a, a while back. Um, yeah. So whisk and slow whiskey's nice. So that, that can be a really cheap whiskey as well. So Yeah, I'm a um, bit of a whiskey connoisseur. I'm not sure I'd have, if I've had the heart to mix a, a single malt with a berry. Maybe. Oh, no, don't do it with a single malt. No, no. do just, <laughs> just, a, just a cheap, nasty one, yeah. Sacrilege, yeah. I think okay. I used uh, smart price whiskey. So it's... Uh... Okay, okay. 
I, I was going to have a mild, a mild cardiac arrest then. I can't defile no, 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 no. Defy all yeah, that. No, de- <laughs> are there, are there any tal- talisker and no yeah. no no oh that's my favorite that's my favorite whiskey <laughs> yeah so no I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dare do that um are there any mm. laws on where you can forage I mean does it matter um, like I know like with Scotland like there's right to roam I mean is it is it different in different countries in the UK or is it pretty much you can forage it's pretty much like? the same it's pretty much the same as long as you don't make money out of it basically uh, you okay. can pick um root uh, not roots roots is the only exception so you can't dig up plants um well without the landowner's permission so okay uh, okay yeah yeah i know the local park keeper so he allows me to sort of uproot certain weeds not plants but weeds from the park um and uh yeah just bumping into a farmer i've got a, a private walk coming up and it's for someone who sells farm equipment and he knows the farmer's pretty much for a 20 mile radius it seems from where we, we're foraging so oh, that's pre- mission yeah. for that but sorry to go back to that i keep going off of these tangents <laughs> so the law is you can pick berries leaves uh flowers um uh as long as it's not a triple si uh and you can do that as long as it's not from commercial gains so it's pretty much you can forage most places um there, and there's a difference between the law and sort of ethics uh and a lot of creatures will rely on a lot of these these foods as much as us so you think uh dormice will rely on the hazelnut so seeing signs of that so, uh recently i picked a lot of bilberries up in yorkshire and uh noticed signs of dormice there found a dormice nest um yeah it's lovely yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um and because of that spread spread the picking out so you didn't concentrate on that one place because if, if you consider for us you know it's quite easy for us to move around for the for the dormice that's you know uh it can be quite a that, that can be his entire larder yeah um, yeah, yeah well i was going to ask yeah. you what kind of rules do you go by because obviously there's the law but then as you said there's personal ethics and things so is there anything yeah. that you kind of impose on yourself then yeah there is i i, I try not to go up to pick berries um so i'll pick the lower branches i mean some of that's convenient but then i'll leave the higher branches for the birds okay Uh, and i'll spread spread the picking farm as far and wide as i can for mushrooms i'll leave the youngest and the oldest and that's the youngest to take the place and then the oldest to spore um and occasionally if i've accidentally knocked one of the older ones out i spread some of the um I, I take the gills off and spread some of the spores around. Uh, that, oh, so that that will propagate then, will it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's the that's the theory. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I mean, there's just a lot about mushrooms because they, uh, as John Wright talks about this, it's quite interesting that he he um, compares it to an apple tree. That you're not going to stop the apple growing. By picking its apples and most of the mushroom most of the fungus is underground yeah so my seal network is that it my yeah mycelium yeah, yeah. yeah that's it yeah, um, yeah. yeah the, so the mycelium network will be underground yeah um yeah. and you can pick the mushrooms from the top and you won't be disturbing the mycelium you might be preventing it uh growing elsewhere and that's why it's important to sort of leave a few to spore but you won't be damaging the organism as a whole 
Right. Because um, timing's yeah. key with mushrooms as well, isn't it? I, when, I, when I do photography of mushrooms, I know that if you, know, if you get there, if you leave it too late, the slugs have got to it or uh, or the frost or whatever. And if you're there too early, yeah. it doesn't quite look right. So uh, the classic one for photographers, I guess, is fly agaric. Photographers love oh, a fly yeah, agaric. Yeah. But trying yeah. to get them just right is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it takes, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I live relatively close to Sherwood Forest, so that's where I tend to go oh, yeah. to try and photograph them. In. And I've not done it yet where I've got one that looks just right. Either the slugs have bloody had it or um, yeah. or they're not quite there so time and i guess it's the same with eating you want to kind of collect yeah, yeah. them when they're at the right kind of stage and the nicest mushrooms are the ones that everything seems to want to eat um yeah yeah so, yeah <laughs> and interestingly about fly garrick um they they seem to have an association with the belitus mushroom so if you go back to your sites where you found the fly garrick go sort of a month earlier and you'll find the the porcinis, the the sort of very sought after. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, not always, but they do no. tend to. Yeah. Well, that'd be about now, wouldn't it? Because they they'll be coming out. Now. So if I go now, roughly, there might yeah. be some porcini. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that's my weekend sorted now. Yeah, yeah. Mine can... too. Is, is, that... <laughs> <laughs> is it? Am I right? Um, in thinking, is it fly garica hallucinogenic? If you munch on one of those, you'll go for a bit of a. Yeah. Trip. There's there's a bit of a preparation. Um. Yeah. It's sort of. Uh, violent <laughs> violent vomiting and ah. uh and quite strong hallucinations yeah <laughs> not, not the best mix then is it no no no, no. i mean i guess you'd no. forget about the vomiting if you're on like a rainbow riding a unicorn for half an hour you wouldn't mind too much would you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but, but. but there's um i mean there, it, it, the to avoid the sort of vomiting and this is sort of shows shows how misogynistic some tribes were that there were certain tribes that would drink reindeer urine so they'd let the they'd feed the fly garrets their reindeer let them filter it through their livers and then drink the reindeer urine i think i've Quite heard this collect. yeah I think um, I've heard but, this. The, but other tribes would do it to the women so they'd have their, their women drink uh, eat the mushrooms and then they'd drink their wives urine so it's you know there's also, that's quite problematic if you if you think about that with today's eyes. So what you're saying, Dave, is I should get my wife to eat lots of fly agaric and then drink her urine. That's the best way yes. to get high. Yeah, off them. yeah. Okay, yeah. well, um, I'll pitch it to her when she gets home from work, and uh, <laughs> we'll see if our marriage can survive that. But you know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm game for it. So yeah, Halloween punch. You know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. Well, if someone had said at the start of this, I'd be talking about drinking my wife's urine to get high. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have uh, thought we were going to go there, but you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad we are. Um, yeah, that, was, that was definitely was a tangent, wasn't yeah, it? That why was... not? Let's, <laughs> let's run with it. Um, so, I mean, the key question is: Why should people go foraging? Then, like, obviously, you're this champion of foraging. What would be your advice and 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 kind of getting other people to do it? Why should they do it? I think what the one of the first things is an excuse for a good walk. You know, it's a yeah. good excuse to just get out. Um, it's fresh food it's healthy food it's nutritious you know if you're if you buy a salad bag in a in a supermarket it's carbon dioxide packed um uh, i mean that's why when you open it it wilts instantly um the if you're picking a wild salad often you've got just hours between picking it and it being on your plate so uh so all the vitamins and minerals in that salad are perfectly fresh then you've got the other thing of food miles um 
that there's there's no food miles other than perhaps your drive out to where you've gone um well there was one more i, I keep having this thoughts sort of go in my brain and then sort of disappear almost <laughs> yeah <laughs> instantly um there's the fun of it oh I, I know what it was it's the it's the having new tastes so that was being my driving force oh it's free it's freezer is another good one um but sampling new flavors so uh there's hogweed seeds this time of year um are an excellent spice and you won't find that spice anywhere else it's, it's almost the closest comparison is cardamom but it's like a citrusy cardamom ah. and that's impossible to find anywhere else um that's a really good a, point i hadn't thought about that but there must be so many flavors that you're just not going to find yeah in the, you know in the supermarket or even you know farm shops and things where you might find some of this there's so much of it you're not going to find there yeah yeah i mean it, funnily enough some some of them are coming into farm shops you can buy a hogweed seed uh chutney that i've seen in yeah. farm shops um so some of it is coming in but yeah generally they're they're still there's um uh a a weed that grows by uh water so water pepper um and it's related to japanese uh, uh nepalese coriander but it's it's almost like chili but it's a slightly different fire to it is the only way i can describe it and that's and an aquatic that, plant is it it's it's a marginal plant marginal so you'll plant. see it by, water yeah. pepper water pepper okay because yeah. i've got a pond so that would be i've got water mint already um oh, yeah so, yeah so I could it'll add... grow okay yeah it'll, it'll grow where the water mint is so oh. it, yeah it doesn't doesn't need to be in water all the year but it's it, it can be a, a marginal plant okay yeah. Ooh, so that might be one to add yeah That'll yeah. be good. Good to get that. No, that sounds yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and have you got a favourite thing to forage? Because I mean, obviously, and I, I guess you must get asses all the time as well. But is there one thing you're like, I can't wait for that time of year to come around to go and get that specific thing, or is it more of a collection? Uh, I, I think spring wild garlic definitely, um, and then chicken of the woods this time of year. Um, that's uh, that's the big kind of fungus that tastes like chicken is it or yes. yeah yeah okay. and I, yeah <laughs> and I, i'm a veggie um and it's it's one of those things that the entire family can eat and my my kids just started school but when he was in nursery he would talk to his nursery friends about it and none of them knew what he was talking about it was excellent it was and i think there's that association with it as well that it's it's something that i like it's something my kids love and they want to find as well and they get excited when we find it yeah and that no, really definitely. adds to it yeah <laughs> going, going back to wild garlic as well like i know in the spring you can smell it can't you you'll be walking yeah. through say a little glade or something and there is that kind of faint garlic whiff on the air and that's kind of a, a sign of spring in a way isn't it yeah 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 I it's a lovely like sign of spring yeah it's definitely good to to have that well that more or less brings me to to the end of it dave but before we go if people want to find out more about foraging you obviously you've run courses you've got your book so presumably the best yeah. way to see those is your website yeah davehamilton.co.uk um the book's available just about everywhere so where the wild things grow yeah um yeah strongly recommend that so i would <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice a nice self-endorsement <laughs> yeah and uh um at dave hamilton uh, so at dave wildish is my tag for twitter and instagram so nice one well i'll put links to all that in the description as well so people can kind of just click on that and, and find that but look it's been a pleasure talking to you dave and uh yeah, take likewise. care cheers yeah. cheers then bye that was dave 
Hamilton. Really enjoyed that podcast. He was brilliant. Learned a lot from that. If you want to check out his book, which I'm sure he would recommend, and I'm going to grab a copy at some point, it's Where the Wild Things Grow. And there's a link to the description in that, and that's going to help you work out what you can forage, what tastes good, and what time of year to get that. Next week, I've got Harriet Mead on the podcast. She is an artist and a sculptor. And a sculptor? Can I say sculptor? Sculptor. And she makes all these fantastic creations out of scrap metal. Uh, being a podcast is probably not the best medium to showcase her work, but she's going to talk about it, and she does some amazing stuff, absolutely incredible uh, pieces of art. She's done a, a spectacular pike, which caught my eye. She's done deer, all kinds of amazing stuff. So that's on next week. This has been the Bearded Tits This <laughs> What the fuck? I can't talk today. This has been the Bearded Tits Podcast. I've been your host, Chat Perks, and I will catch you next time. Cheers. <laughs>